Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Today. Wow, what a, what a wonderful crowd today. Let's give it up for our praise team, amen? I thank God for the, for the new member, Carrie. She, she's uh, on fire, loves, loves the church, and loves what's going on here in this place. I want to thank Pastor Mark. He's uh, asked me to come and, and sit in today and, and handle the sheep while he's gone today. And uh, I, I'm excited about what God is doing behind the prison walls. In fact, that be- very woman that was on the, uh, on the pier up there, she went th- last night and spoke in the men's facility. So her life has truly turned around. And I wanted to do just a little bit today on prison ministry. I got so much I want to share with you because we've been talking about killing giants and facing our giants. But if you want to know anything about prison ministry and how it goes and maybe have some questions... Call her, uh, stand up and, and wave at us. She'll be in the, in the lobby today. And if you want to approach, call, call, yeah, let's give it up. She, uh, she sit right where that other lady sit at, and she sit under my teachings, and, and she is truly redeemed. She loves God, well on her way, has found her place in a place called Mosaic Church, and we're doing well. And so let's give God some praise for what he's doing behind the prison walls. And we want to invite those that are watching uh, via the internet or whatever little gadget you're watching on today. Uh, We're hoping soon you're going to put those gadgets down and come and help us build. Amen. And so today I I want to share with you, uh, continue along those lines that Pastor Mark was talking about last Sunday. He was talking about killing the giant of self. And I'm telling you, if I had not continued to kill the self, I would probably not have been in prison ministry as long as I have because I have read my Bible and everyone that God has called has tried to put self in the equation. Can I get amen? Amen. If you will look at your Bible and every man that has done anything for God, he tried to put self in the middle of it. And so for 25 years, I have tried to take self out of the call of God on my life and to have no broken continuity in what God has called me to do. And that's not a very easy thing to do. 25 years of separating yourself from your family. I remember Danielle is my youngest daughter. She was, I think, uh, in the fifth grade when we came here. And now she has gone on. She's graduated college from OU and living a great life. My oldest daughter, Summer, went to Arizona State and and so I've, got, I've had to go through a lot. I've been married forever in a day. I know one of these days I'll share that with you, some things about my personal life. I keep my personal life pretty, pretty personal. I'm not a Facebook, go get them, rock them, sock them, robot type guy. I think that's necessary, but uh, I don't know if Facebook is all cracked up to what it's supposed to be. I leave it like that. I'm kind of private, Amen. But I have had to go through just as much as any other preacher to get to where I am today, to continue to take self out of what God has called me to do. And today we're going to go a few places in the Bible, and I'm not going to elaborate on all the Scripture. I have a bunch of it. Uh, I'm not going to try and go word for word. You're just going to have to believe that I've been studying for the last three or four days, and what I have is true, 
and it comes out of the Word of God, I, tr I promise you I won't use Jesse Buffett chapter 13 today, amen? And so I want us to look at Psalms chapter 55 real quick, and then we're going to go to 1 Kings 19, and then we're going to operate out of Genesis today, and we're going to show you what it takes to take self out of what God has called you to do. There are many of us sitting under the sound of my voice today, if you're not careful, self has caused you to do absolutely nothing. I'm talking to more than two of you right there. But as we look back in the life of David, and David in Psalms 55 and 6, David is no different than any other man that has had a call of God on his life. And in Psalms 55 and 6, David is, is pretty well fed up. Anybody ever been fed up? And so once you get fed up, self begins to cut up. Amen? And so uh, David's flesh is beginning to cut up. And David says in verse 6, he said, Oh, that I had the wings of a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. In other words, David is tired of the call on his life. He's tired of, of the difficulties and the obstacles that he had to leap over. And he said, I would flee far from far away and stay in the desert. Isn't that amazing? He said, I'm tired of being where I am, and if I had the wings of a dove, I'd fly away. But listen to where he said he'd go. He said he'd go to the desert. The last time I looked, the desert was a dry place. So what basically David is saying is anywhere but where I am right now. Any, you got any mothers out there that you come home and the house is all tumbled up, and you say, boy, if I had the wings of a dove, I'd just fly away anywhere but here. And he said, I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and the storm. Hey, we all go through some things. Am I right about it? But if there's a call of God on your life, you got to stay anchored down. You can't take flight. You got to stand and fight. Can I get an amen? And then we find in 1 Kings 19, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. He had just whipped all the prophets of Baal not long before this. He was a mighty man of God. But he was tired and frustrated and was running from a woman. Can I get an amen? So he takes off running from this woman and he sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die in verse 4. And here's what he said. He said, I have had enough. He said, I'm done. See, the flesh starts to cut up. You're going to have to kill self if you're going to do what God wants you to do. You're going to have to continue going on and knowing that you're not the only one that's going through some things. And so our pastor has, has started a new series on facing and killing our giants. And so it seems that the Mosaic family will not take flight after this series, but we'll stand and fight. We're hoping that the Mosaic family will not take off and go running but we'll stand our ground after this series is over. you got to take self out of what God has called you to do because self is always cutting up. From day one, I remember when my oldest daughter was born, I had gone down to get a cup of coffee, and when I come back up to the, the, the waiting room where the babies were being born, there was this child in there kicking and cutting up, and three nurses was trying to help this little kid. Just born, just came down the birth canal, and there she was with three nurses trying to hold her down. And I said to myself, I said, that's a weird little baby. I wonder whose baby that is. And they said, Mr. Buffett, that one's yours. 
I mean, there's no that the flesh from the birth canal back to the grave is going to be cutting up. Can somebody help me? And so we're not going to take flight. We're going to stand and fight. And so killing giants in our lives is what we've been talking about. And we have many. But almost every sermon on giants starts out with David and Goliath. Every sermon we talk about, that's what uh, Patrice preached on last night, James, talking about the giants in the, in the lives of the men behind prison walls did an incredible job because there are many giants behind those walls that these men are facing. And last night she did an incredible job. And so what we have to do is somebody say this with me, me, myself, and I. That's a bunch of people, isn't it? That's a whole lot to take care of. Me, myself, and I, and we go around saying things like this, what about me? I went by myself. I'll do it by myself. I did this. I did that. And throughout the Bible, self has caused great failure. Throughout the Bible, men and women who have decided they're going to do what they want to do. Listen to me, people. You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. You don't belong to you. You belong to the will of God. Once you step up to the pump and say, Father, I am a sinner. You are a Savior. Come into my heart. Change me. Make me and mold me into what you want me to be. That excludes you. You're done with you. Oh, it's quiet up in here now. <laughs> You're looking at me like, I didn't know I belonged to me. I didn't know I didn't belong to me. Well, you don't. And so we are 41 days into the new year. And thank God for a new year, but I don't know about you, but I'm ready for a new season. I don't want to do another year. That's what I tell men and women in prison. Don't do another year. Do another season. Do a season with God. Stop doing another year. We're in 2019, and if self gets involved with you, you're just simply going to do another year and not another season. It's time for a new season. It's time for you to take self out so you can do something different. I don't want to hear about your stuff from 2018. I need some help in this house today. I don't want to hear. It's, it's a new season. Can I get an amen right there? I don't want to do another year. I want a new season in my life. And most men and women in this Bible had to do three things to have a new season. Number one, you're going to have to have a visitation from God. If God doesn't visit you, you don't get to do a new season. You're going to get to do you all year long. Oh, I'm preaching to the right crowd. I don't care what you say. You're going to do you all year long if God doesn't visit you. And the next thing that's got to happen is that's going to have to come from your visitation from God, a promise or a vision or a direction. Can I get an Amen. When he visits you, he gives you a direction or a promise. God come into Tucumcari, New Mexico, and told me to get thee up in their flock and go into Oklahoma City. And I got up, and I came into Oklahoma City. And you can see the results up there on the screen with men and women that are in prison because I heard God in my visitation with God. And as I crossed the Oklahoma State line, he said, expect more now than you ever had. I'm still holding on to that 25 years later. And all the devils in hell can't tell me that I've gotten all I'm supposed to have. Uh-uh, I don't think so. But if I get in the flesh, come on, somebody. 
I'd find myself saying, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I'd fly away and be at rest. I'd run off and sit under somebody's broom tree and say, I've had enough. Don't think I hadn't been there. But you got to get up and do like Obama did, say, shake it off. I'm not going to go political on y'all today. And so, and the next thing you got to do is you have to accept the assignment and be patient. Somebody say, be patient. In order for you to be patient, Mosaic family, you have got to take self out of it. Stop trying to hurry God up. You can't hurry God. That's why some of the men and women in here right now, they're writing a movie about you called Home Alone because you wouldn't wait on God. Oh, I got quiet right there. Somebody's like, how he know my business? Because you didn't wait on God. As we go to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, we're going to talk about Abram and the call of God on his life. The Lord said to him in Genesis 12 and 1, I, the Lord, said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land I will show you. Somebody say a visitation. See, God is visiting him, and he's talking to him. God doesn't want Abram to do just another year. It's, it's time for a new season. It's time to get up and move about. It's time to stop crying, belly aching and moaning. So God visits, it, visits him. And in verse 2, it says, I will make it you into a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. So stop cursing your neighbor. God's got your back. I ain't cursing my neighbor no more after I read this. <laughs> he said, I got your back. And he said, all people on earth will be blessed through you. Somebody say, that's a promise. You see, he got a visitation. Out of the visitation, he gets a promise. And so in verse 4, it says, So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and now he accepts the call and the promise. He accepted it. God came and visited him. He said, I'm going to make you great. You're going to be powerful. You're going to do great things. And he was like, Woo, I accept it. I'll take some of that on my resume. And Abram is 75 years old when this promise was given to him. He's 75. And one might say 75 is way too old. But what I want you all to stop focusing on is your age and focus on the promise. Stop focusing on your age and your color and what side of the track you came from. Focus on the promise. I'm the head and not the tail. I'll be blessed on this side of the track or on that side of the track. If God be for me, who can be against me? In the body of Christ, we need to stop quoting Scripture and start living it. Ooh, that'll preach. Boy, if that was T.D. Jakes, y'all have been swinging off the chair. Go, preach, bro, preach, get after it. And so he's got a promise now. He's 75 years old. And 2 Corinthians 1 and 20 tells me, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes and amen. You can sit there and act like God doesn't care about the promises he made to you. If I cross the Oklahoma state line and God said expect more now than you ever had, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And all the devils in hell can't change my destiny. Why? Because I'm listening to God. I've read my Bible. I've seen men and women run from God and do their own thing. 
And so I want to go back to the story now. Time passes by. Ten years have gone since he got the promise. And then in, in Genesis 15 and 1, the Lord visits again. He visits Abram again in his covenant time. And after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Can somebody help me right there? See, God is still a God of visions. And he says to him, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. In other words, he was saying, don't get ahead of the promise. God knows, he knew that 10 years had gone by. And Abram, he knows 10 years has gone by, but God came to encourage him again. And this is what God has done with me time and time again. Son, don't get ahead of the promise. Continue to expect more now than you ever had. I'm going to hold on to that. And so here he is trying to encourage Abram in the promise. How many of you know that self gets in the way? And now here goes Abram off on verse 2. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give? Somebody say me. Since I, somebody say I. Since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my, somebody say my. Here we go with me, myself, and I. Are y'all still here? He's putting, he's putting self in the middle of it. He says, uh, uh, will inherit my estate is, is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children. So a servant in my household will be my heir. Sounds like it's all about him, huh? And so now the God of self is cutting up in his life. The giant of self is starting to cut up. He cannot stand on the promises. Now he's got to begin to try and rush God and tell God what he don't have and what God said. God knows what he said to you. And then the word of the Lord came to him, and he simply said, in my terms, God has said, sorry, but that's not true. A son who is your own flesh and blood will, will be your heir. And so he took him outside, and he said, you look up at the sky, and you count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. My God, how'd you like to have that on your resume? God comes and grabs you out of, your, out of your little coffee room and say, come go outside with me and look up there. And I'm going to give you a bunch of stuff. I want you to believe it. And he shows it to him. And basically what God is saying to him is what he's saying to you. Stay focused. Change your focus. Put your cell phone down and pray. Get off of Facebook. Shut up. Be quiet. Put it down. Sit it down. They showed the other day a woman walked right off into a puddle of water on her phone. You don't get mad at me when I'm preaching good. Put it down. If you don't put it down and shut up, you're going to do 2019 and not a new season. Stop blaming God for where you are. Now, I'm trying to hold myself down. I told the pastor I wouldn't beat the hide off of y'all. And Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as, as righteousness. And so this should have been a lifeline to his faith. God is throwing him a lifeline. He said, I got you, bro. I got you back. Don't worry about it. I know 10 years have. I'm the, I'm the guy that can make time stand still in the middle of the sky. Just ask Joshua. I know about time. Don't try to tell me that. Don't try to rush me, homie. I got this. He's trying to throw him a lifeline. 
So 10 years have passed by and no son and the flesh is cutting up. In Genesis 16, Abram is now 85 years old. His wife wakes up one day with a good idea, but not a God idea in, Gen in chapter 16. I'm going to know that your wife got to be on the same page as God. Your wife shouldn't be on the same page as you. She'd be on the same page as God. His wife wakes up one morning with a good idea and not a God idea. See, the, the giant, the self is cutting up now in that whole family. You're the head of your household, man. You better kill self. You better put self under control. It's up to you to kill the giant of self in your house. And you know, what about me? What about this? What about that? I asked my wife one time to get me a cup of coffee. She said, I can't. I said, why not? The Bible says Hebrews. <laughs> Genesis chapter 16. Sarah wakes up in herself. And if ever there was a time in the world where America is in herself, it's right now. We are jacked up in America right now. D.C. is full of self right now. I'm talking about the right, the left, the in the middle, and those that don't even know. They are jacked up because they're in self. Can I get an amen? But I'm going to tell you right now, God is still the God of the USA. He is still our God, amen? He is still our God in our schoolyards. He is still our God downtown. He is still our God in your marriage. He is still our God in your home. He is God now. He'll be God forever. I don't care how many times you try to kick him out. He is still God. Doesn't matter to me. He's still God. So Sarah gets up and forgets that he's God. And Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. And so she said to Abram, her husband, the Lord has kept me from having children. Well, you know what? The reason you're saying this is because you have neglected the promise. See, when you start talking like that, you have forgotten who God really is. I can't go around saying, well, God, you said we expect more down than you ever had, and there ain't nothing happening. I'm going to wait on God. And here's Sarah talking about, I don't have any children. And she comes up with this idea to her man, go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abram had never agreed on anything, but he agreed on this. She'd have to fuss with him to take the trash out and change the oil in the mule. But he agrees with this. That's what Seth will do. Seth gets involved with dumb stuff. Stuff that don't mean nothing. And so the giant of self has out overstepped its bounds and its place with God. Who gets up in the middle of the night and go, well, and just grab some woman and just sling her in the tent with your man? Hagar, get in there with Abram. I'm just trying to draw you a picture. Are you serious right now? So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her man to be his wife. Now, boy, if that ain't self, this sounds like a soap opera. This sounds like some of the, 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 the stuff we see on TV now. 
My grandmother, had she seen something like this, she would have took her TV and threw it in the pond and would have swore that Jesus was coming in the morning. What has happened to us? What is wrong with America today? Why have we changed our principles and changed our, our morals and, and, you know, God knows my heart. He sure does. And so he sleeps with Hagar and she conceives. And then when you build something, you're going to despise it. When you build something on your own, you're going to despise it. If God's not in it, you're not going to like it. You're going to act like you like it. And Sarah goes with this great big old plan she's got because she's now in the flesh. She's the giant of self has showed up. And Abram is sitting there and he is now taking a place in it. You see how it works? You got to kill the flesh. The flesh is a cold piece of work, man. You get up this morning. Some of y'all got up this morning and your flesh got right in your face. Get me some coffee right now. That's what the flesh will do. You got to kill the flesh. You got, especially if God has called you. I know people that have gone into the prisons with me and worked with me for a while, and some of them, they, they get so full of themselves, they go, well, you know what, preacher, I'm, I'm going now to pack out stadiums. You go, really? The last time I looked, Oklahoma had a lot of men and women in prison. That's a pretty big stadium. Stay here in this stadium. I'm going to be the next Joyce Meyer. No, you're not. In Genesis 17, God visits Ab Abram again. Once again, he comes to Abram in Genesis 17 and 16. And the, they now, they have Ishmael now. And then the God comes back and he says, I will bless Sarah and will give, surely give you a son by her. She will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Basically, God is saying to you, what are you doing, dude? What, what are y'all doing? And, and Abram fell face down in verse 17, and he laughs and he said to himself, will a son be born of a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And he laughs at the promise. I'm not laughing at the promise God gave me 20-something years ago. I'm not going to laugh at the promise. I'm going to stand on the promise. And so here's what Sarah and his wife, Sarah, my wife and I, we already, we're one step ahead of you, God. We already beat you to the point. We've got Ishmael. And God is like, yeah, I know. And he's going to be a donkey of a man. You're going to be against him. He's going to be against that. When you do something out of the will of God, it's a monster. It said right in the word, God says, I know. And he's going to be a donkey of a man. <laughs> some of us have created some, created some donkeys, haven't we? <laughs> Scratch that. <laughs> and so, and Abram said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. In other words, he said, here's my blemish sacrifice, God. Bless this mess. 
getting quiet right now. We, there are people, men and women all over the world today that have come into the presence of an almighty God holding up a blemish sacrifice saying, bless this. You got quiet right there, but that's all right. I'll, I'll get back up here where it's safe. God bless this. Now, God will bless a mess, but he may not want your mess to be a covenant with him. He's looking for a covenant, sister and brother, that he can hang a covenant on. He could not do this with, with Ishmael, but he said, I'm going to bless your mess. And then God says, yes, but your wife, Sarah, will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. Basically, what God is saying to Abram, thanks, but no thanks. I got this. You need to quit. You need to stop doing what you're doing. I'm in control. And this is why men and women are waking up in the middle of the night all over America, crying, out of order, lost, confused, doing their own thing because the wrong person is in bed next to them. Because they don't want to wait on God. They don't realize that they don't belong to themselves. They don't realize that God is a God of patience. You cannot run God out of his margin. When I was coming through school in the first and second grade, the teacher would say to me, Jesse, I don't care how big you write, just don't go outside the margins. I don't care how big your problem is. Don't go outside the margins. Wait on God. Stay in your place. Stay in your lane. And this is why we all jacked up right now. In Genesis chapter 18, the Lord comes back again. And uh, there are three visitors. Somebody say a visitation. They visit Abram again. Abram running around trying to get him some food and get them all settled in and be reverent to, to the men of God that had come to visit him. And they said to them, where is your wife, Sarah? Then one of them said in verse 10, then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. You see, folks, I, I see she's about to get a new season. See, she's had 90 years of being barren. And then now because she gets a visitation and she stops her silliness and laughing and trying to put her man in the tent with somebody else, can I get some help? Now that that has stopped, God has got her attention. And now he said, this time next year, it's going to be a new season. So it's time for a new season, folks. Don't you dare come into 2019 and just do another year. It's time for a new season. And so the angel shows up, and Abram says, Sarah, we're already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. Basically what he's saying is, Lord, I've been down to that maternity ward, and I, I ain't seen no 90-year-old women in there going, push. <laughs> Sarah, James. 
Sarah didn't even have a clock. Most people say my biological clock is ticking. Sarah said, blew up. But then God came in, and she got her head on straight. I'm going to close this down, and I just want to share with you, we must remove the flesh. If self is navigating your life, you won't serve, you won't give, you won't take time to pray, you won't forgive, you won't say nice things, I'm looking to get even, you won't humble yourself, you're full of pride, disobedient to the direction of God if self is directing your life. And last but not least, for those of you that will tune in, but you won't come in, self is directing your life. Nehemiah said it this way, and don't, don't you turn that thing off. Nehemiah said it this way, come, let us build together. Stand up with me, church, as I begin to, to turn the service back. Do you love God today? Stand up with me today. Stretch your hands toward heaven. I want to pray over you today. Father, I come today that we refuse to be a part of something that's just going to be some mediocre little place to be. Father, you are teaching us to face our giants and to stand firm in where we are and who we are. We bind up the enemy and we cast him down right now. For we can do everything that you have called us to do because you have given us the strength to do so. Drop your hands down beside you right now. If you said, preacher, I'm, I'm, I'm in one of those categories. I want you to stretch your hand back up. You said, I'm in one of those categories this morning. You called out. I see hands going up back there. I'm in those categories. Father, right now, by the power and the authority of the Holy Ghost, we don't like to close our service without giving people an opportunity to come to Christ and give their lives to Jesus Christ and to change their attitude. You repeat after me, please. Dear Lord Jesus, I refuse to do a new year. I'm ready for a new season. Forgive me of all of my sins and my misguided thoughts and directions. Today, I feel better, I look better, and I'll sound better, and I'll do better. In Jesus' name, amen.